The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus himself stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. See my scars. Touch my wounds. Bear witness to the pain and the turmoil put upon me. This week in Luke, we encounter yet another post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to the disciples. This time, Jesus is fully present in his body, scars, wounds, and all, and he comes to them in their doubts. Luke's Jesus makes himself known in the breaking of the bread, and so it's no surprise that he showed up while the disciples were eating. Peace be with you, he said. Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? This week, I've been troubled by the shooting of our neighbor, DeLois Brown, a grandmother tragically killed while sitting on her porch in Dorchester. This week, I've also been troubled by the murder of Dante Wright, and even more so by the comments on social media by some who say he shouldn't have gotten back in the car, as if blaming him for his own demise overlooking that there continues to be a rampant problem in this country with race, with understanding a history of white supremacy, privilege, and empathy, or a lack thereof. On Wednesday, I listened to the radio, a radio story that featured a school counselor out of Denver, Colorado, who's a survivor of the Columbine High School shootings in 1999. Those shootings killed 15 and wounded 24 other students and teachers. The counselor said that 20 years ago, 
When these kinds of killings began to happen, people blamed the students. She said they blamed them for learning violence through video games, for being unwelcoming towards their peers. Now, she says, blaming students for their own demise is seen as an archaic way of dealing with the problem because they've learned that the problem runs much deeper, so much deeper. So where do we go from here? See my scars, touch my wounds, bear witness to the turmoil put upon me. It's easy here to overlook the state in which Jesus came to the disciples. He was torn open, healing perhaps, certainly scarred. He was hungry, hungry for food, hungry for the fellowship of community. It appears here that to proclaim Christ resurrected means that Christ may come to us, asking us to bear witness to his pain, to his scars, to his hurt, to his needs, or to those of another. How do we know that God is reachable? How do we know that God is with those who hurt? We can reach out and touch his wounds. How do we know God wants to be found? Jesus comes to us in the breaking of the bread, in this means of simple broiled fish. Many of us have areas in our lives that ache, places where we are wounded. Some areas are gaping. Some are only skin deep. Sometimes an aroma can invoke a memory. Sometimes it's a date on the calendar. Sometimes it's an actual scar or a type of pain that no matter how hard we try to deal with and cope with it, we cannot escape it or forget it. Sometimes we can hide these battle scars from others, from ourselves, but many times we cannot. Sometimes these wounds can cause us to say or do something that hurts others or even ourselves, and we later come to regret it. We can only pray that we have the courage to help and when possible, make things right with others. Sometimes we bear our scars, our stories, and yet people still do not realize that perhaps by our standing there, we're simply asking to be seen, asking to be heard, asking to be believed, to have our own pain, our own suffering, our struggle witnessed and acknowledged. How long have we heard from our brown and black siblings that white supremacy is killing us all? White supremacy is not a black or a brown problem. It is a white problem. It is a white illness which people of color have been and continue to pay the price for. It is a cancer that affects the entire body of Christ. How long have we seen Jesus coming to us and telling us do not be afraid. See my scars. Touch my wounds. Bear witness to the pain and the turmoil put upon me by this world that knows me not for my character, but by the color of my skin.
brown and black bodies have been telling us their stories of how they've gotten their scars for a really long time. And yet some still doubt. Some still do not listen. Some still do not bear witness to these wounds. Why don't enough of us believe them and work to make the world a more just and equitable place? And friends, this isn't just for brown and black bodies, but for women, for LGBTQ plus persons, and so many more. What does it mean to be proclaiming Jesus resurrected, but deny the crucifixion scars of those who bear his wounds? And further, to stand back and do nothing to help, to even take a step in faith. What gives me hope in this passage is that Jesus opened up the disciples' minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds to understand the words of the prophets who foretold of this great Messiah that he would suffer and die and rise again so that we might know repentance and forgiveness and proclaim this love throughout the world. Perhaps then our prayer might be open our minds, open our hearts, so that we might see a new way forward and know our need for God and our need for one another. Whenever a Christian community breaks bread, Christ is there. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday. It could be at your dinner table. It could be on your lunch break. Christ comes to us in all those situations. The interruption by someone in need, their intrusion into our comfortable worlds, breaking in to ask you to bear witness to their scars and their wounds, all so we can work towards a different outcome. Don't change the channel. Don't press the mute button. Don't move away. Reaching out to touch his scars and his wounds is to open yourself up to being changed by them and walking in a new way. To commune with Jesus means bearing witness to all those who come to us to tell us something just isn't right. That our words, our actions, our lack of attention has caused hurt and we need to find a new way. Jesus tells us that we will be witnesses to these things and more. It's just a matter of allowing ourselves to be so changed. Through this gospel, Jesus is teaching us about how we are to live together in community, breaking bread and being changed by that experience. He teaches us how we grow from bearing one another's burdens. He's teaching us that loving one another is reaching out for one another. That listening to one another is imperative for how we'll act on behalf of one another. Jesus' own passion is a call for how we listen to those whose experiences of the world are different than our own. And it's a lesson in how we do better to ensure that all God's children are welcomed, affirmed, known, loved, and protected. I'm aware that talking about racism or inclusion from the pulpit is exactly what some people want to hear. And I am aware that it's exactly what others do not want to hear. 
because somehow both are mistaken as political. Let me be clear. Talking about inclusion or racism, my friends, is not political. It is gospel. What is political is telling you who to vote for or how to vote. And that's something I'll never do. What I will do is challenge us to live more deeply into the gospel, into the love of Christ, into his commandments to love God and to love our neighbors and ourselves. Being specific about who we say is welcomed here is not political. Because if it is, then we need to reassess how committed we are to becoming a beloved community that reaches out to see and touch the wounds of Jesus and all who bear them and be changed by them. It is a privilege to say, shouldn't people know they're welcomed here? I mean, we're a church. It's a privilege to say, isn't it a given that brown and black lives matter and are welcomed here? It is a privilege to say, isn't it obvious that LGBTQ plus lives matter and are welcomed here? The answer, my friends, is no. No, it is not always obvious. Because for years we've been asked by God's children to bear witness to their scars, to their stories. And often they are not heard. There was once a bishop interviewing potential priests for seminary. At the end of their interviews, he said to them, for this exercise, forget that I'm a bishop. See me for who I am, a 50-year-old white man sitting before you. You're a priest. We've just met. Now tell me, why should I join your church? Every student, the bishop answered, said you should come for the community. The bishop responded, I attend AA and have all the support that I need. The seminarians replied, well then come for the outreach opportunities. To which the bishop responded, I'm an active member with the Rotary and do outreach all the time. The seminarians replied, well, then come for the fine music to which the bishop replied, but I have season tickets for the symphony. And their exchanges continued. The bishop said that no one answered with what he hoped they would. You should join the church to help meet your greatest need, to be reconciled to God. The bishop says that the closest someone came to this was saying, you should join because Jesus was a good person to follow. Friends, the church exists not only for the worship of the Almighty God, but also so that we can learn to find God and to touch God's wounds and be changed by them. It exists to enable all of us to live into a resurrected life with faithful sojourners who want to know what it means to find God in one another, to find God in the breaking of the bread, and to find God in the work of healing our hearts our minds, and in the ways we think about those who differ from us. We come together to know the risen Christ, to be changed by him, and to share that hope with the world. 
this Easter season, I pray that you find even a measure of resurrection that enables you to see Christ in the scars that present themselves to you, be they your own or someone else's, and that you find the courage to believe and to act in that love. May peace be with you. And may the doubts in your hearts be brought to hope as we reach out to Christ, bearing witness to his wounds, to our own and to those around us, and be so changed by them. Amen.